Good morning. How's everybody today? Okay. How's everybody today? All right. That's more like it. More like it. Welcome to church. Welcome to North Star. I'm Terry, and I'm one of the pastors here at North Star, and I get the privilege of talking a lot. So I hope you came today expecting a word from God, and uh, we're glad that you're here. We really are. Um, North Star's a place where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything is possible. I believe that. I believe that. Sometimes it's it's all it's all about connection. It's it's about uh, connecting people to a growing relationship with Christ and each other in order to fulfill their life purpose. What life purpose? God created us on purpose with a purpose, for purpose. To worship him, to love him, and we worship him, and to grow in him. That's called discipleship. And to fellowship, that's loving each other. And then to minister, and that is uh, serving. And then evangelism or missions. That's, that's what God created us for. And so we need to be doing all five of those. We say it uh, many different ways around here, um, like reach up, reach out, and reach in. I like that one. Reach up. Are y'all getting into this yet? I need to wind you up. Reach up to God in worship. Reach out in ministry and evangelism and reach in in discipleship and fellowship. And for the gangsters that are in the house, um, the, and I saw some come in today. Uh, reach up, reach out, reach in. Reach up, reach out, reach in. Um, another way of saying it is uh, give it up, pass it on, and bring it home. That happens to be my favorite. All right, enough with that. I'm full of it today. I'm just telling you, I'm giving you a warning. I've got a lot of stuff that's got to come out today. And I just hope it comes out well. Uh, as I speak, um, we welcome those that are joining us online and uh, either live or at a future uh, time. And moments ago, we went live at our Tupelo campus. Make some noise for those guys over there. <clears throat> the month of March is very important in children's ministry. I believe. North Star Kids is, is an incredible ministry of this church. I'm so thankful for all the, I'm telling you, uh, all the, the good, solid teaching that, that they, they are doing in children's ministry right here. I was talking to a young lady last week after the service, and I, I said, um, you'll, you'll need to go to Kid Faith. Kid Faith is a class for the children and their parents um, when the children are asking questions about salvation. And uh, I said, you'll, you'll, you'll want to go to Kid Faith. She said, oh, I know about that. I said, well, what is it? She said, it's where they put the gospel. This is a 10-year-old or an 8-year-old. She said, this is when they put the gospel on our level. She said, you know, admit, believe, confess. I said, where did you learn that? She said, in class. Aren't you glad that our children are learning about God at this church? 
Yeah. Uh, let me reel myself back in. Okay, the month of March. It's important because um, registration for our children, our kids' camps of the different ages, uh, it closes at the end of this month. So parents, um, get to the registration table at both of our campuses and be a part of that. Also, you'll, uh, so you don't miss out for your, your kids' sake. Uh, also, you'll notice in the foyer, there's a new display that's dedicated just for faith commitment giving. What is faith commitment giving? Faith commitment giving is giving above your tithes and offerings. We're supposed, we're supposed to bring our tithes to the storehouse. The storehouse is the church. So bring your tithes. That's a commandment. It's not an option to consider. It's a command to follow. But faith commitment is we challenged our church a year, just over a year ago when we began this to give sacrificially, to give an offering, and to give it to faith commitment. It's not your tithe. Some people can give a lot. Some people can only give a little. But not equal gifts, but equal sacrifice. And faith commitment has over 25, 27 different mission ministry points like Hope Reigns, like Transformation Ranch, like uh, Hispaniola Mountain Ministries, that, where we go to Haiti. Uh, it provides scholarships for uh, North Star people who are going on mission trips. We uh, support Parkgate Crisis Pregnancy Center, First Choice uh, in New Albany, uh, Safe House, and I'm just naming a few, okay? Jail Ministry, uh, Day One, and the list goes on. And so when you give to Faith Commitment, and you can give online, you can, the way I do it, I text uh, mine, so the next time the, the, the number's on the screen, be sure and jot it down. But I just, I just text what I'm giving to uh, FCG, and it says, ooh, your giving was successful. I said, well, thank you very much. It's very easy to do it that way, and it's a great, great tool and ministry of this church. Faith, commitment, giving, you'll want to notice the new uh, monitor display that um, will give you a lot of information of all of the different uh, ones that we are serving and supporting, and just an overview of what faith commitment is. All right? All right, I've got those things behind me. And uh, I want us just to dive into the Word. Again, are you glad you came to church today? All right, good. Take your Bibles and turn. We started this series, Healthy Doctrines, Healthy Disciples. We started this three weeks ago. The first week, I just kind of... Uh, showed you how Paul gave a flyover of what the Christian life looks, looks like, like a 30,000 feet view of, of the Christian life. Someone called the book of Ephesians uh, the Swiss Alps of the Bible. Someone else called it the Grand Canyon of the Bible. It was a letter <coughs> that Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, which is now modern-day Turkey. And uh, as he wrote this letter, he wrote it with such uh, passion. He, he was motivated. He, he, he was passionate about what he said. Last week, uh, I told you that, that verses 3 through 14 in uh, chapter 1 was one sentence in Greek. Isn't that crazy? It, it was like 
when he got to verse 15, it was like he took a breath. <sighs> and then he kept writing. Well, today we're going to read uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. And the first seven verses uh, was the same way. All right, so let's read it together, and then I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit, and then we can, you can take me to lunch. All right. See, that came out, and I didn't even mean for it to. All right. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. As for you, you were dead to your transgressions and sins, which you, you need to live, which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. Isn't that, isn't, that something, isn't that a powerful verse? He made us alive in Christ even though we were, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the in, incomparable, incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone would boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Verse 11, Therefore, he, therefore, remember that formerly you who were are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. I'm going to go ahead and read verse 12. Uh, remember, remembering at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope, and without God in the world. I want to pray, and, and then we'll, uh, we'll get started. Father, I pray that you'll bless the, the reading of your word today. I pray that, God, you would open up our hearts and make our hearts tender and sensitive to the message, God, that you have for us today. And uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. When I was a boy, my parents used to say to me, you are not entitled to nothing. <laughs> I brought you, my dad said this, I brought you into this world and I'll take you out. You know, my dad, um, uh, was born in 1919. And as I grew up, this, this picture was on the mantle of my grandfather's 
fireplace. It doesn't have any significance, of course, for you, and it has great significance for me. When my grandfather died, it is a, in case you can't tell, it is a picture of Franklin D. Roosevelt. Now, I'm not, I haven't studied him um, and learned everything there is about his, uh, his uh, presidency, but this picture has great meaning to me. When, when my grandfather died, uh, all 60 uh, of my cousins uh, looked for this picture. So if you know any of them, don't tell them <laughs> that I've got it. Um, my dad was 10 years old when the Great Depression hit. I really don't know why I get choked up telling this, but they tell, you know, they say if, you, if you're getting choked up and you're a speaker, look at a funny picture. So, Brent, I'm going to look at you, okay? Um, all right. At the age of 10, the Great Depression hit. And that's when my father, in the fourth grade, quit school. Went to work at a sawmill. to support his family. Most of us here don't really know a lot about the Great Depression. Um, I certainly was not alive then, but I learned it through my, my father. He never went back to school, but he was a very successful and educated man. He taught us that, he said, you're not entitled to anything. Work hard all your life. I would like to think that I got my work ethic from my dad. Um, we didn't throw anything away. We weren't hoarders. Don't, don't misunderstand what I'm trying uh, to say. I, I learned the same thing. He built with his own hands uh, the disc, the, the, the plows that we used on our, on our farm. Uh, I could just go on and on and on. I, I, after explaining this, I think our staff may have a better understanding of why I am the way that I am. Like, don't let me see you throwing away a mop handle. Just because we got five more, I have never been a dumpster diver uh, until North Star. I will, I have, it's embarrassing. I have seen things thrown away. It's just in my blood. You don't throw those kinds of things away. You, you're going to need them someday. That's why our warehouse here at both of our campuses is a little junky that we've, we've kept a lot of things. Here's my, here's my point. Um, the reason I brought this picture of FDR is because he was the 32nd president and became president of the United States of America in 1933. 
right during the Great Depression. The reason I've looked back is because you need to look back and see where you're from. And I believe that's what Paul was doing in Ephesians chapter 2. He was taking the young believers, the, the young Jesus community, and he was taking them back to where they came from. Are you with me so far? They, the church in Ephesus was growing. Uh, Ephesus was a very mystical city, uh, a very spiritual city. Uh, eventually, the church at Ephesus grew so large that historians tell us that they worshipped in a 24,000-seat theater that was there in the city of Ephesus. But it didn't happen overnight. There were some struggles, and you've got to understand that they had been worshipers of Diana, the goddess Diana. And I'm not going to even go into detail of how weird uh, of stuff was going on in the city of Ephesus. But this is their background. So Paul is writing to these young believers, hoping that this letter would be circulated throughout all of Asia. And in fact, in fact it was. It was read all over Asia. And Ephesus eventually became the hub of, of evangelizing all of Asia. And so Paul is writing this letter, and he's taking them on a journey, and he's saying, I want you to look back where you came from. Because if you want to get to where you need to be, you need to be able to look back at where you've been. Am I talking to anybody? Look, let me, let me just say it in, in, in lead better language. Um, I'm not what I should be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be. I'm not what I should be. And so sometimes I have to take a look back at, at to where I came from to understand better where God wants to take me. There are three or four things that I want you to put in your notes today. And the first one is this. Salvation is not from good to great. Salvation is not from good to great. It, it, uh, look, you, you weren't like good and Jesus came into your life and now you're better. It's not a remodel job. It's not, a, it's not an improvement on your life. Salvation is not good to great. Salvation is dead to life. Are you with me? Look back at verse 1. I'm, um, I'm also doing the 23 and me thing. The chromos, they tell you, uh, you know, where you came from. It, it's been sent off a long time. I'm worried that they're not going to send it back or send it back with a note, uh, redneck. I'll tell you how that turns out. In verse 1 he says, as far as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. You were dead in your transgressions and sins. The word dead in this passage is a word that literally means uh, separated. You know, the Bible says 
Uh, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, the Bible says by one man, sin entered into the world. And we've been sinning ever since. We were, we were born sinners and we choose to sin. This is not a remodel job, an improvement on your life. A lot of people think, well, uh, I was good, and, then, and in Christ now I'm better, and I wear a, a cross around my neck, and I highlight in my Bible. No, you were dead, sister. <laughs> Sir, you were dead in your transgressions. So jot that down. You were dead in your transgressions. Then in verse 2, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. When you, when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit is now at, who is now at work in those that are disobedient. So, not only did he say you were dead in your transgressions, he said you are following the course of this world that's what he says in verse 2. You're following the course of this world. And you've got to understand some of the wicked, immoral things that worshiping the goddess Diana, little g, you can just imagine how, how sinful and immoral things were back then. And so to, to say, uh, I, I'm a virgin, was unheard of in the city of Ephesus because that was not the standard. That was not expected. If you follow what I'm saying, saying the, the, the lifestyle in the city of Ephesus would cause you to blush, but it was accepted. And so he says, you're following the course of this world. Again, in verse uh, 2, you're following the ways of the world and the ruler, the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. You're, 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 you're still living the way you were. And so he said you were following the prince of the air. I mean, this is, calling, this is really calling them on the carpet. He was saying, look, you are professing Jesus Christ, but you're still following the prince of the air. You're following the, the course of the world. You're following the prince of the air. You're following, basically, he was saying, you're, you're, you're following the evil one. And then in verse 3, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of the flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Deserving of wrath. We deserve punishment. And... Uh, he said, you are children of wrath. And so what this means is that um, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, for the wages of sin is death. And here's, here's the deal. Um, the culture in which we live, 
uh, sees a sign, all right? Sees a sign and uh, it says, Jesus saves. You, still, you see those around, or a bumper sticker, Jesus saves. And the lost person, this is what, this is what we're living in now, but this is what they were living in then. A lost person would say, uh, say Jesus saves, saves from what? I, I live a pretty good life. Um, I, I serve in the community, and uh, I even attend church sometimes, and, and I, I, I live a pretty good life. I've got, you know, a, a nice family, a nice place to live, and you, you want me to be saved? Saved from what? Well, the answer to that question uh, was found in verse 3. We're saved from the wrath of God. And here's the thing about God. Um, God is a generous God, and he's generous with what he withholds. He withholds the wrath that we really deserve. There are people today who have never met Christ, and, and maybe you're kicking the tires, and may, maybe uh, you're hearing this for the first time. But Paul is saying, that's not who God created you to become. The new you, after you've met Christ, does not need to be living like this, does not need to be talking like this, does not need to be going to the places that you guys are going to. He's talking to the people in Ephesus. And so these are young Christ followers. And he said, you, look, let me tell you where you're from. You used to do this. You don't need to do this anymore. You used to have that kind of language, but Paul said, look, a follower of Christ doesn't talk like this. You used to have these same cravings and habits. Paul said, look, you're a Christ follower. You're not supposed to, you're, you're a new person. The healthy you, the healthy disciple is someone who is following Christ. Are you, are you with me so far? Then he says in verse 4, But because of this great love for us, but because of this great love for us, it doesn't say, uh, but you have, but you should. It says that God butted in into our life, and he said, but because of this great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, he's generous in, in his mercy, uh, so he, he loves us. It is great love, and it, but God. You can never say, I have uh, achieved this. I'm entitled to this. He said, it's, it is by grace you are saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. It is because of God, but God. But God's great love for us and rich in mercy, which tells me the, the second one I want to give you. Uh, number one was that salvation is not good to, to, to great. Salvation is dead to life. If you've been saved, you were dead spiritually. And now you have life in Jesus Christ. But number two, not only that, but he says, we are aware. Aware of what? Uh, aware of God's great love, aware of God's mercy. Listen, there's nothing 
you can do to earn God's love. There's nothing that you can do that would, that would cause you to be able to go to heaven on your own. It's, it's only done through Jesus Christ. The blood that Jesus shed on the cross paid the penalty for our sins. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. What gift? His grace. What mercy? His mercy is holding back what we really deserve. So now, Paul says, uh, we have this awareness of, of who God is. Let, let me say it this way. You might want to write this one down. God doesn't do love. He is love. God doesn't do, he, he doesn't do love. He's so loved. For God, John 3, 16, for God, what? So loved. He is love. So Paul said, you guys have got to have this awareness of who God is. Then he says in verse 5 and 6, he says, he made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. Verse 6, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So, salvation is not from good to great. Paul said we are aware of God's great love for us. And then third is we are alive, or I am alive. I'm alive in Jesus Christ. I'm alive in him. You know, um, you know how to tell if you're a believer or not? That you're not dead. That you're not dead spiritually. That, that you're alive. You don't measure whether or not you, you have been saved by your performance. But whether or not your life has been changed in Christ Jesus. So, do you know him? And then in verse 6, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is the gift of God. Did you read that, verse 6? It is the gift of God. Verse 6 says, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So I am alive in Christ. I am aware that God loves me, but I am a, alive in Christ. And then there's one more. I am assured. I am assured. It says that he is, that uh, he hath seated us. We've been saved through faith. We're uh, God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. But he has seated us in Christ Jesus. Don't miss that. I think I mentioned this last week, that to be seated is a sign of completion. God the Father 
is seated on the throne. Christ Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. Why? Because it is finished. The work was complete. He went to the cross. He died a sinner's death. He rose from the grave. He is seated because it is finished. Verse 6 again says, He hath raised us up. And Paul's talking to these young believers. He said, He hath raised us up and seated us with him. And so, what am I supposed to do about it? Well, I need to understand that I didn't earn it. It's not going from good to great. It's going from dead to alive. And that I'm aware of his great love for us and his riches of his mercy. And that, that I'm alive. Paul said you don't have to live that like that. You are alive in Christ Jesus. And he has set you in the heavenly realm. I'm, I'm not in heaven yet, but I'm in Christ. And I'm assured. I have the assurance that I'm going to heaven when I die. I'm assured not only that I'm going to heaven, is that I can't get unsaved. Some people will they'll say, Pastor, I, yeah, I pray that prayer that you pray at the end of the service. I pray it every week. I just will make sure. Well, you're confused. Because once you put your trust in Jesus Christ, it's a done deal. And what Paul was trying to explain to these young believers is look where you came from so you'll be able to see where you're going. You were in the darkness. You were in this lifestyle. But he said, now you are in Christ Jesus. You have been made aware of his great love and mercy for you. And you are alive in him. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And that happens when we follow Jesus step by step day by day you're not perfect but you're moving and ever so often I have to realize uh, I'm not what I should be but at least I'm not what I used to be let me add one more to that I'm not what I should be but at least I'm not what I used to be but I want to become who he wants me to be. It's tough. It it, it is tough. But we have to put our trust in him. And we have to walk with him step by step, moment by moment, becoming more like him every day. And all God's people said, amen. Father, thank you for the word of God that was divinely inspired by you and you instructed a man by the name of Paul to write these words and you knew as Paul was hoping that this letter would be circulated throughout Asia God you knew that we were going to be sitting listening 
to the same scripture and that it's beneficial for us. So God, I pray today that you would take these closing moments and be honored. If you realize for the first time that you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ, maybe you have been a religious person, maybe you've given up on church, maybe you fill in the blank, but you know that you've never been saved, I want to give you an opportunity just to say yes to Jesus Christ. You can say words like this, but don't just repeat it to, to be repeating it. It's, it's a step of faith. It's, it's actually you putting your trust in Jesus Christ from your heart. Just say, dear God, I'm a sinner that, that needs a Savior. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. And he rose on the third day. I repent and turn from my sin, Lord Jesus, and I turn, I turn to you. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. And today I put my trust in you. Maybe today as a Christ follower, your prayer would be something like this, Lord, thank you for speaking to me today and reminding me that I'm not what I should be. But Lord, I do want to become more like you. So help me on this journey as I trust you and follow you. I want to ask that everyone at both of our campuses just to stand. I want to pray for you. Father, thank you for today and for the, the word and God, how you've, how you've spoken to me. How God, it's like it, it was for the Ephesian believers, it was good to look back and, and to see where they had come from. But God, help us to do the same thing. And God, we don't measure up. But God, help us. Help us to become more like you. Help us, God, to, to take the next step. God, I pray for this congregation. That God, people that are needing to take the next step of, of uh, baptism, the next step of discipleship in small groups, the next step of giving, God, whatever the next step is for people today, God, help them to take it. And God, as we close this service out with, with this beautiful worship song, help us to be mindful that you're still moving and the decisions that we still need to make today. Lord, thank you for meeting us here. and Thank you for the word and the worship in Jesus' name.